0: You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show, the last weekend of SEC football. And we have another cancellation. Vandy at Georgia has been canceled. Could Georgia find another opponent for Saturday? We'll tell you the latest. Speaking of Vanderbilt, it looks like they have got their guy. We'll discuss the latest on Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee pinned as the next Commodore head coach. Kevin Steele, the next head coach at Auburn, we'll discuss the latest rumblings for the Auburn job after they fire Gus Malzahn. And we'll also catch up with Byron Hatch. He is the head of championships at the SEC office. He'll tell us what to expect with Alabama and Florida coming to Atlanta this weekend. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out five days a week. We're here for you each and every day. All right, let's jump right into it. Plenty to discuss. Let's go around the conference. Boots
1: out to the right. the, handoff.
0: the What a catch. Around the conference. All right, we start with the news that came out yesterday afternoon that the Vanderbilt at Georgia game for this Saturday has been canceled due to the Vanderbilt football team falling below roster minimum requirements. The game has been declared a no contest. It will not happen. That officially ends Vanderbilt's season, joining South Carolina, Kentucky, Auburn, and Arkansas, who have all finished their regular seasons. Vandy quarterback Ken Seals, it out I will always remember the guys that stuck it out till the end been a long year for this team and I'm proud of my teammates who never quit fighting first winless season for Vanderbilt Ugh. now speaking of Georgia apparently they were not happy about the news of the cancellation and the Bulldogs have been exploring trying to schedule an opponent outside of the SEC though it is sounding unlikely Georgia Tech They'd be an easy fill-in, but they canceled their game this week because of roster limitations. The SEC previously said it would not add unscheduled matchups. There was a report Georgia was contacting Colorado State about possibly playing, but as of this recording, no concrete details were out there on Georgia actually being able to find an opponent or if the SEC would even allow it. But it tells you how good Kirby is feeling about his team right now. He's willing to go find an opponent to play a game and keep this truck rolling that's been... A dominant Georgia team, basically, since JT Daniels has taken over at quarterback. God help whoever they get in the bowl game. Now, the other big news, word leaked out yesterday that Vanderbilt was planning to hire Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee as their next head coach. Last night, Vandy made it official, announcing that Clark Lee will be named their 29th head football coach in program history. That coming from athletic director Candace Lee. Clark Lee, who was a two-time Vandy grad, And student athlete, he will officially be introduced next week at a news conference. And Candace Lee said, Clark is the leader we trust to continue the challenging but exciting work that will elevate the Vanderbilt football program to unprecedented heights. Clark Lee said in a statement, I'm excited to come back to Vandy to lead a program at an institution and in a city that gave me so much and shaped who I am today. At Notre Dame this year, Lee led a really good Irish defense that will appear this weekend in the ACC championship game and Finishing regular season 10-0, ranking number two in the nation. Really good there, and we'll see what Clark Lee can do as the next head man at Vanderbilt. Now, our third big story coming out last night. Apparently, many believe Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele could be in the driver's seat for the head coaching position vacated by Gus Malzahn days ago. AL.com confirms Steele has emerged as a serious candidate They also said, according to multiple sources, Hugh Freeze was not expected to be a viable candidate. Now, also last night, sources out on the West Coast out of Oregon saying Mario Cristobal is telling those around him he is staying put with the Ducks. So if you believe all these reports, I'll just say it would be very underwhelming to fire Gus and just promote his defensive coordinator. I guess one of the few positives would be in buying out Gus I guess you wouldn't have to buy out another coach and you could just slide Steele up to be the head man. I'll still hold out suspicion that some of this is a smokescreen, but if Kevin Steele is the next head coach at Auburn, it just seems very disappointing when you consider some of the names they were in the running for. Now, Gus Malzahn, he tweeted out a message to Auburn fans yesterday saying, I want to thank the Auburn family that made our time here incredibly special. You are the reason it is such a great place. I wish Auburn nothing but the best in the future. And to the next head coach, you will be inheriting a great group of young men that will give their all for Auburn. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, by the way, he gets $10.5 million in the next 30 days. Other tidbits from around the conference. Heisman voters received their ballots via email yesterday. And voting will officially end next Monday at 5 p.m. So this weekend is... Basically going to go a long way in determining who wins the award. Hopefully no dumb reporter uh, or Heisman voter sends in their vote before the games are played this weekend. But uh, Vegas has Mac Jones as the odds-on favorite right now. And as one NFL scout tweeted out last night, Lance Irline from NFL.com, he said, if Devontae Smith isn't the Heisman Trophy winner, then the spirit of the award is officially dead. He is clearly the best player in college football this season. And I I've kind of come around on that. I I know it, it sounds like a knock on Mac Jones, but without Devontae Smith, Max jo- Mac Jones is just an average quarterback. I think Devontae Smith was the straw that made, uh, that stirred the drink at Alabama. I think Devontae Smith is the best player in college football, and he didn't even need to do anything receiving-wise this past week. Had a big punt return for a touchdown for Alabama. I think Devontae Smith should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Over at LSU, Coach Ed Ogeron told reporters that his quarterback, Max Johnson, dealing with a minor injury, that but he should be available this Saturday against Ole Miss. One other LSU tidbit, apparently they had 28 sophomores and freshmen playing their game last Saturday in the win at Florida. Five true freshmen played a big role in that game, and Coach O referred to them as the best freshman class he has recruited. That may be something to watch for, With signing day coming up this week, LSU might be turning some heads going, hey, we can go there, play significant parts immediately, and win big games. Over at Mizzou, their backup quarterback, Taylor Powell, announced on Twitter he is transferring to Troy. So the Trojans getting a really good quarterback in Taylor Powell. And lastly, to add a little fuel to the fire for the SEC championship game, Dan Mullen Talking with the media yesterday, mistakenly referred to Mac Jones as a game, uh, rather a great manager of the game. So the dreaded game manager label once again for Mac Jones. I think he's, he's a guy that, that uh, has had a great year, you know, uh, very similar to Kyle. I mean, does a great job managing their offense. Just don't say the word managing. <laughs> By the way, last time Mac Jones was called a game manager, he went off for five touchdown passes. Also, more fuel to the fire. Florida tight end Kyle Pitts was asked about being recruited by Alabama coming out of high school and why he chose Florida. He said, quote, I feel like I'm not a country boy. I mean, I got an offer from Alabama, but that was something I didn't really consider. I don't know if Florida wants to add this fuel to the fire for Alabama. Why Why make them any angrier? And that is the latest Around the conference. When we return, we're going to preview the SEC Championship game with Byron Hatch, head of championships for the SEC offices. If you're heading to the game, he'll tell you what to expect, what will be different this year in COVID times at the SEC Championship game in Atlanta. Hey guys, a big weekend coming up. It is the last weekend of college football, the full slate of games. Yeah, we'll have some bowl games after this, but this is the last Saturday. You'll be able to sit in, lock it in, and watch college football all day into the night. We've got some championship games. We've got some regular season finales. A whole lot happening this Saturday, and you want to make sure you're doing it with an ice-cold Coors Light. We told you all season long, Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill doesn't matter what sport you are watching, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or any team just to drink beer. So when you flip it through the channels, you find what sport you want to watch, and you crack open an ice-cold Coors Light. It is mountain-cold refreshment made to chill. It's cold-loggered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It is as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for any moment to unwind. So when you crack open a co- ice-cold Coors Light watching your college football this Saturday – Make sure you do it responsibly. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made the chill. That is Coors Light, and you can get them in their New-look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. They are Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Tomorrow on the show, we'll get into breaking down the X's and O's of the SEC Championship game. Does Florida have a legit chance to keep up with Bama? I'll tell you why they do tomorrow on Locked on SEC. We're along here, Locked on SEC. Chris Gordy here with you and really excited to catch up with this guy because it's a week we didn't think we would get to back in the summer. It is SEC Championship Week, and joining us to talk a little bit about the SEC Championship game and everything that goes into it is Byron Hatch. He is the assistant commissioner at the SEC offices, head of the championships, and he joins us now. Byron, uh, back in May and June, did it ever feel like we would get here to an SEC Championship week in football?
1: I tell you, Chris, man, it, it uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we were apprehensive about what would happen, because there was just so much unknown, but I'm glad we're here this week, SEC Football Championship Week, because you know it just means more here in the SEC. <laughs> uh,
0: what is, so fill us in, because I know you guys sent out some guidelines for the game this week, and, and uh, you know a lot of Alabama and Georgia fans, and obviously some people just live in Georgia that like going to the game that might be fans of other teams. What's the, the stipulation? How many fans are going to be there? Fill us in on a little bit of the details.
1: Yeah, you know, we're in a different world, Chris, and we've seen a lot of it in college football this year, so... We had to plan and adjust, and, and, and thank God we're working with a great venue with our folks over there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So, yeah, we had to, we had to do things a little bit differently. So we're going to have around 16,500 fans because uh, we're going to have a limited seating capacity. That's roughly about 20% of the capacity there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then we have some other safeguards that uh, I know a lot of people have seen. Um, face masks will be required. So fans will be required to wear face masks while you're inside the stadium as you're approaching the gates. You can um, take down your face mask when you're actively eating or drinking, but face masks will be required. You know, we're asking people to socially distance. We're also going to go to all mobile tickets this year. This is the first time the SEC Football Championship has had that, to, you know, um, reduce the number of uh, contact points that we have there as well. Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the last few years has had a cashless policy where when you look at their various points of sale for concessions and, and merchandise, They've already had it in place where they've had a cashless policy. Some stadiums have gone to that, but a lot of the NCC footprint have not adopted that fully. So we want to make sure our fans know that they have a cashless policy. They do have kiosks throughout the stadium that if you come in with cash, you can convert your cash to a debit card that you can use there in the stadium. And you can also use outside the stadium anywhere that Visa is accepted.
0: Will you still be able to buy programs? Like, I just think of, like, because I was at the game last year and I just remember, you know, you're walking the concourse, there's people selling programs and all this. I guess that's just going to look very different this year. It
1: it is going to look different. Uh, We we will still have the opportunity for people to buy programs. We will also have an electronic version that people could download as
0: well. Oh, that's very cool. Um, This is is real far off the deep end, but, like, I know you said you're going digital with the tickets. Is it possible if you're a fan of either team, like, after the fact, could you order, like, a special edition, like, printed version of the ticket? Because people are so – people like to collect those kind of things.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. We've been working with our ticket venue. I think we're trying to finalize that. Uh, A lot of things we have to consider with that because – we we have heard that in the past and, and part of the reason why we haven't pivoted before now uh, to go fully mobile, but hopefully we're going to have the opportunity to, for fans to do that. So more to come to our fans who, uh, who attend the game. And if we're able to do that, we'll make sure to communicate with them via email to let them know that opportunity exists.
0: So what is the atmosphere going to look like around the stadium? Because, again, I I think back to a year ago at this time. I'm walking around downtown Atlanta. We're going from hotel to hotel. We're meeting up with friends outside the stadium. There's a little tailgating going on. What is that going to look like?
1: (laughs) Chris, my my biggest assumption is it it is going to look different. We we will (laughs) still allow (laughs) – we will still allow tailgating in lots that are controlled and owned by the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Georgia World Congress Center, which is a great partner that with Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, there will be parameters in place, such as you tailgate with the people that you came with, uh, that you don't uh, get outside a confined area. But with, with less fans, we know that there won't be as many tailgaters around. One of the biggest impacts is we would have a number of fan events centered around the uh, SEC football championship this week, such as a coaches' luncheon on Friday where the two head coaches come to uh, a designated hotel and they're interviewed by SEC Network. We would have Fanfare, which is our fan interactive event in uh, the Georgia World Congress Center. We would have a Legends Dinner where uh, legends of SEC football are inducted into our, uh, our Legends program as our Hall of Fame. And none of that is happening this year. Unfortunately, (laughs) we had to eliminate fanfare, the Legends Dinner, the coaches' luncheon, other fan events. Essentially, we're only going to have the game this year. And uh, Uh people will be allowed to tailgate, but due to health and safety and being cautious, we had to eliminate those items.
0: Yeah, I remember walking around the fanfare at the convention center last year and seeing Javon Curse and, you know, the big former uh, SEC stars and, you know, the marching bands coming by and all this. And it's just crazy to think that we're not going to have that. But let's hope that this is a, a one-year thing and we get back to some bit of normalcy by by next season. Uh, talking with Byron Hatch, assistant commissioner at, at the SEC offices head of the championships. The The cool thing that I do like this year, Byron, is that the game is moving to a primetime game. We're so used to this being a, a late afternoon game. Uh, talk about how exciting it is to, to be at night in a primetime event.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're happy to get back in primetime. There have been years, not in recent years, but have been years where we've been in primetime, and then CBS has been a great partner with us, and we've had that afternoon time slot, which has been good for us as well, but we are excited. To get back into a prime time uh, time window to have this game and uh, to cap off uh, a, a different, but uh, and a challenging, but uh, a year in which our teams have persevered, and uh, we'll be there, and fans will be able to tune in late, late that evening to watch a good SEC matchup there.
0: Yeah, I did. Like, there were a lot of questions with the other SEC games going on this weekend on you know making up games and all that, and people were wondering are, is the SEC going to go head to head with itself? And it was cool to see a lot. All those games are going to be either 11 a.m. central or or afternoon games, and the SEC championship will live on its own at night. And and I saw the ACC; they had to move theirs up earlier, so I like it. It's the SEC in in prime time. Everybody's going to be watching Alabama, Florida. Uh, and it's really really exciting to, to know that we're going to have such a big TV audience for it. Do you have a, a thought on the game? Do you do you think uh, – I, I know uh, Alabama's going to be the odds-on favorite, but I feel like Florida's going to be able to give them a really good fight.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, this matchup will, will be the most played matchup in, in the history of the SEC football championship, the the Florida versus Alabama matchup, and it's always a great game. And you can throw the records out of the window. You can throw the point spread and all that out of the window. This is going to be a great game. And we know that a lot is riding on this game as well uh, with the college football playoff uh, uh, implications that it could have. So uh, it's going to be a great game, and I can guarantee you this an SEC football team will win.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is very true. And hey, who knows? If Florida does the impossible, pulls off an upset, that might mean both teams going into the playoffs. So we'll see how that shapes up uh, down the pipe. Uh, Byron, last thing for you. I know big news these last couple of days surrounding the, the huge announcement of ESPN and ABC will take over the uh, the SEC on CBS g- games in a couple of years. So awesome and a chance for a lot more flexibility in the schedule when you talk about showcasing the best games in the conference to have all under the same umbrella, it gives you so much flexibility to move games around.
1: Yeah, you know, that that is a, a uh, thats a thing that is great about this partnership that will come up with ABC, but I would be remiss if I don't say how wonderful it's been to work with CBS and, and the team there. Um, they've, they've done an awesome job, and they're still part of the uh, SEC family. We'll always be a part of the SEC family, but you know, here moving forward and what we have with ABC and ESPN and the relationship we've had with ESPN, uh, we know that the, the the future looks very bright. And there are some things that we're going to be able to do with everything being under one roof that will hopefully be beneficial and uh, favorable to our schools and our fans. And, and we're always trying to make the experience even better for everyone because, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, at SEC it just means more. So here we go. we got some more for everyone. <laughs>
0: Let me just ask you, Byron. Last thing, and I don't want to—I uh, don't want to jinx anything. But is there a contingency plan if if something were to happen this week, say Florida, or Alabama has a bunch of positives or something like that? Like, is there a contingency plan to move this game back? Or and you don't have to tell me what it is, but is there a, a backup plan in case something like that were to happen?
1: You know, it, it's tough to have a backup plan because one of the things that we have to uh, keep in mind is the college football playoff selection process. So. Uh, we have some limitations there because there's a certain point in time in which uh, the selection process has to occur and the rest of the bowls have to occur uh, as well as far as their selection process. So if for some reason um, uh, this game couldn't be played because of an outbreak of COVID or for some reason it couldn't be played at its at, at scheduled time, um, I'm not sure if we will be able to uh, get this game in. We do have uh, rules and regulations in place how we would determine um, you know, our bowl placement in, in, in the event the game couldn't be played, and we we would see, but um unless the college football playoff selection process moves back, we probably uh wouldn't be able to play this game.
0: All right, well, the onus is on you, Alabama and Florida. Take care of everything you need to take care of. Be extra safe this week, and let's make sure we get this game in and goes off without a hitch. Uh, Byron, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it, and looking forward to watching yet another awesome uh, SEC Championship game on Saturday night.
1: Hey, well, thank you very much.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. That's Byron Hatch, assistant commissioner of the SEC offices, uh, head of championships. And uh, I know he puts in a lot of time and a lot of work in making sure this thing happens uh, every year. And I can't imagine uh, back in the summer thinking, you know, we're going to play an entire SEC season, a 10-game conference-only season, and we're going to play for a title at the end of the year. And here we are. Uh, It is Florida versus Alabama in Atlanta, this coming Saturday night, and super excited we got here, and super excited that, uh, you know, the, all the playoff implications and everything on the line here the Heisman Trophy, so many storylines, and can't wait for a Saturday night. More to come on Locked on SEC. Guys, we're winding down to the end of the year, and we're basically counting down the work days until we have a little vacation time. i sure some of you are going to be taking off for around the holidays. Falls perfectly Christmas Eve on a Thursday, Christmas Day on a Friday, New Year's Eve on a Thursday, New Year's Day on a Friday. So we're just trying to get through these work weeks to get to the holiday season, and you might need that little extra pick-me-up in the afternoons to get through your work day, and that's why I tell you guys about Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Whether it's a mental or physical wall you need to break through, you can do it with Built Go every single day. They, it's easy to take. They come in little one-and-a-half-ounce packages. It is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's all natural, and it's better for your body. Three delif- delicious flavors it comes in. Peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. That is my personal favorite. It combines the energy gel with... With protein. It's fast absorbing, gets it to your system fast, and it's easy on your stomach. It's got all that good stuff in it. The B6, the B12, all those B things that I don't really understand what they do, but they're good for you, and they give you that little extra kick of caffeine. Plus, the collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. That stuff literally makes you look better. So check them out right now at built go. Dot com. Check them out. And if you find something you like, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED. That's L O C K E D. And you're going to get an extra 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED. 20% off right now at builtgo.com. Let's go. <music> Welcome back, Locked On SEC. Hey, if you're an NBA fan, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcast all this week, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. Make sure you tune in to whichever one of your favorite teams are. Just search Locked On, whatever it is, Pelicans, Rockets, whatever your team is, Hawks, Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Thanks again to uh, Byron Hatch for joining us to preview some of the specifics happening with the SEC Championship game this weekend. Real quick, as we do every time this week, we look back on the SEC players that were over the weekend. Let's do it. Let's review our SEC players of week 12 in the conference. And we start with your SEC Offensive Player of the Week. How about this one? A true freshman, a guy who wasn't even, he's the second true freshman quarterback to start at LSU this year, Max Johnson, son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. In his first career start, the true freshman led LSU to a 37-34 win over number 6 Florida in Gainesville, became the first true freshman quarterback in LSU history to beat a ranked team in the top 10 in his first career start. Completed 21 of 36 passes for 239 yards, three touchdowns, all career highs. His three touchdowns and 21 completions were the most of any LSU true freshman in their first career start, and another 52 yards rushing on the ground. It also marked the first time in LSU history that the Tigers threw three touchdown passes in a game played in Gainesville. Did not have a turnover either, as the Tigers possessed the ball for nearly 32 minutes with over 400 yards of total offense and 24 first downs. By the way, Mac. Or uh, Max Johnson, two of his three touchdown passes went to true freshman, including a four-yard strike to Trey Bradford, with the score tied at 34-34. He directed LSU on a nine-play, 36-yard drive, capped with a game-winning 57-yard field goal with 23 seconds left. Shout out to Max Johnson getting it done. Also in the SEC, your uh, Defensive Player of the Week, we had two of them this week. Start with Bryce Thompson. Tennessee safety swung the momentum of the game on Saturday for the Vols, making a spectacular one-handed interception and taking it to the house 18 yards for a touchdown as Tennessee topped Vandy 42-17. The pick six came in the second quarter with the Vols trailing 10-7 and ignited 28 unanswered points for Tennessee. It was the first pick six of Thompson's career and the 10th turnover forced of his career. He also added two tackles and was the highest graded defensive player of the game with a 91.2 coverage grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Other defensive player of the week in the SEC, Eric Stokes, Georgia defensive back. He had two tackles and an interception, and he returned 27 yards on Mizzou's opening drive that put the ball at the Tiger 23-yard line. He's tied for the league lead with four interceptions and has returned two of those for touchdowns, which puts him at the top of the national list. Eric Stokes also helped anchor a defense that held Mizzou to just 22 yards rushing, scoreless for three quarters. And to one touchdown drive of one yard following a blocked punt. Georgia's defense still really good, even without all the guys that uh, have been injured or out throughout this season. Your special teams player of the week look, there's uh, two guys very deserved of it. So the SEC named two guys this week. Cade York, kicker for LSU, booted three field goals, including a school record 57 yarder in uh, the Tigers' win over Florida in Gainesville. It was in a dense fog. He also kicked field goals of 39 and 30. and it was a perfect four of four on PATs. The 57-yarder, second-longest field goal in FBS in 2020. He ties for the ninth-longest in SEC history. He has now kicked five field goals of 50 yards or longer this year. Pretty darn good kicker that LSU has there. The other SEC Special Teams Player of the Week, how about Devontae Smith? The senior recorded the first punt return touchdown of his career. In the 52-3 win at Arkansas, he took his second punt of the game up the middle of the coverage unit and outraced the Razorbacks to the end zone for an 84-yard touchdown return. Finished the game with 111 punt return yards on three returns for an average of 37 yards per return. He also caught three passes for 22 yards, and he's my Heisman Trophy candidate. SEC Freshman of the Week, Tank Bigsby, running back at Auburn, rushed for a career-high 192 yards on 26 carries including 112 in the second half, helped Auburn to a 24-10 win over the SEC's number four rushing defense in Mississippi State, passed Bo Jackson for second all-time in single-season freshman rushing yards at Auburn, His most rushing yards by an SEC freshman and number three rushing performance in the SEC this season, third most rushing yards in a game nationally by a freshman this year as well. Your offensive lineman of the week. How about a guy who's going to go in the first round of next year's draft? Alex Leatherwood, left tackle at Alabama. Anchored the Crimson Tide offensive line. Their win against Arkansas. Bama's offensive front controlled the line of scrimmage as the Tide accounted for 216 rushing yards and 227 passing yards while scoring 52 points and netting 24 first downs. Leatherwood did not allow a sack or quarterback pressure as Mac Jones was spotless on the day. Also cleared a path for the Crimson Tide to average 5.7 5.7 yards per rush, and he was 100% on his assignments, did not commit a penalty. Last year, your defensive lineman of the week in the SEC, Derek Hall at Auburn. Three tackles, including two tackles for a loss and two quarterback sacks. in Auburn's win over Mississippi State, part of an Auburn defense that held the dogs to 10 points and 240 yards, both the fewest allowed by the Tigers this season. And those are your SEC Players of the Week in Week 12. Crazy to think that we've got so many teams already finished with their seasons now. And uh, we'll have one more slate of games coming up this Saturday. Fingers crossed we don't get any more canceled, as uh, we now have officially two. The count is two games in the SEC will not be played this year Ole Miss, Texas AM, and now Georgia Vandy. Both of those games have been rescheduled, and both the reschedulings got canceled. So, pretty good if the SEC can get through this slate of games this weekend and only have two games that didn't happen. That is mighty impressive. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so. You can catch us here five days a week talking all things SEC football. And look, frankly, there's going to be a lot more to discuss throughout this week. We're probably going to have more chatter around Florida and Alabama. Hopefully Florida stops talking trash because Alabama is going to come in angry into that game. And also, what else Auburn going to hire? Are they really going to settle on Kevin Steele? Is that the great improvement over Gus Malzahn, the defensive coordinator? We'll discuss all that tomorrow on Locked on SEC. Remember to catch us at LockedOnSEC.com wherever you find your podcasts.